Good morning, Grace. How are you? Okay, so here some people are awake. They drank their coffee or tea or whatever you drink. Thank you for coming. Um, for those who are new and those who don't know me, my name is George Kenyanjui. I'm one of the elders here. And as uh, James, Elder James always remind me, I'm the president of congregation. And I'm glad to be here. I'm glad that you, you have come to visit us. And thank you for coming to fellowship with us. Those are new. And those who are not so new, thank you for coming too. And let's pray so before we start today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being gracious to us and giving us another day. Thank you for the day that you have granted to us, the breath of life that you have bestowed upon us this day. Father, we pray for those people who are hurting. We pray for especially the churches in Florida who have been affected by the storm. We pray for the people who lost their lives. We pray for those who are trying to rebuild Father, we ask that you comfort each and every one of them, wherever they are, and whatever the need may be, and we thank you because you're capable to do so. We pray, Father, for our congregation. There are several who are hurting today. We ask that you minister to us. Let, let us see what you can do in our lives. Father, trials are going to come, suffering is going to come, but you're intentional in everything you do. Today, as I minister, I ask that you give me the word to speak. Let your Holy Spirit speak through me that I may be communicate what you need to be heard today. Open our hearts and our mind that we take something that we can use for the rest of the week. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, last week, uh, the last two weeks, uh, Elder Guston had done a good job for us uh, talking about First um, Corinthians chapter 1 and 2. The first chapter he talked about encouragement for hope in time of uh, difficulties, and for the next chapter two, he said, "Hope our hope in heaven." Therefore, we are not people like those who don't have Christ and without hope. Today, I'm going to be talking about hope and spiritual aftercare during the time of trials. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have adversary, the Satan, and he wants to kill you. Uh, and me. The Bible says he come to steal and destroy because he, have, he, he has been a murderer from the beginning. Uh, Paul, writing to the Thessalonians, uh, the, the people of Thessalonians, so to speak, uh, he was there for about three weeks and he just inaugurated new believers into Christianity. And the people of the Thessalonians, some of them were happy, some of them were mad. And those who were mad, they joined together and they said, we need to either chase Paul out of here or kill him. So it was so bad, they went to the house where they were living, for the house of Jason, and they dragged him to courthouse and they charged him that he is destroying the city with the new belief system. See, they couldn't find Paul. And then Paul had to be taken by the believers at night so that they don't kill him. And he went to Berea. Now, you have studied in the book of Acts about the Berean brothers. Yep, excuse me here. You go back. For those who need a little orientation, that's the map we are talking about. Below there is Africa, and then you have Mediterranean Sea, then you have 
the cities that Paul have visited from Jerusalem all the way up. Uh, he is thrown like up there, and then he was chased and went to Berea. When he went to Berea, there he started talking to people about Christ, and majority of them received Christ, and they looked at the scripture to see what Paul was saying is true or not. Then the, the people in Thessalonica heard that Paul had gone there. They left their city. They went there to chase him too. That's how mad they were. So they chased him, and he went to Athens. And it's from Athens that Paul, in a writing to this letter to the people of the Thessalonica, telling them how sad he is that he can't be there to nurture them to make, for them to grow in Christ. And this was written about A.D. 51, for those who need to know. Uh, this story is given in the book of Acts, chapter 17. So those who need to read it, you can go read it for, your, for yourself there. I'm giving you just a summary of it, uh, what transpired there. Um, Paul, in chapter 3, he continues from chapter 2, verse 17, and go on to chapter 3, talking about the trials that affect believers because they are new in Christ, and they have changed allegiance, and the Satan is coming against them using various tools and armaments in order to gain their support again. So Paul, as he is writing these, he is letting them know that he is sorrowful, that he cannot be there to minister to them so they can mature uh, to become the believers that God wants them to be. For, for that, Paul decided he's going to send Timothy, his disciple, Timothy was his uh, spiritual son. And since Timothy was not chased and they are uh, frightened by Paul, so Paul did the second best. Timothy was the second best he could do to send him there so that he can go communicate the message that Paul could not communicate. So there is always a, a way to do things. I always tell my students, there is a thousand ways to skin a cat. <laughs> now, so the question is, which way do you want to do it? So Paul decided, since you don't like me, I'm going to subtly bring somebody who is more than me, although you don't think so much about him. So Timothy was sent at that time to go there. Probably some of us have some Timothys here who need to go do something like Timothy was called to do. Uh, having said that, I'm going to go to the chapter here that, that we need to read, but I'm going to start with chapter 2, verse 17 through 20. Brothers and sisters, Though we are separated from you for a short time, our thoughts are still with you. We wanted very much to see you and tried hard to do so. We wanted to come to you. I, Paul, tried more than once, but Satan stopped us. You are our hope, our joy, and the crown we will take pride in when our Lord Jesus Christ comes. Truly, you are our joy and glory. In chapter 3, he continues, Therefore, when we could no longer endure our separation from you, we thought it's best to be left uh, behind alone at Athens. So we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's servant, in spreading the good news of Christ to strengthen and encourage you, exhorting and comf comforting and establishing you in regard to your faith, so that no one will be unsettled by difficulties to which you have refer, we have referred to. For you know that we have been destined for this as something unavoidable in our possession. 
For even when we were with you, we warned you plainly in advance that we are going to experience persecution. So as you know, it has come to pass. For this reason, when I could no longer endure the suspense, I sent someone to find out about your faith, how you are holding up under pressure. For fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and your work among you will be proved to be ineffective. But now that Timothy has come back to us from his visit with you, you have and has brought us good news of your steadfast faith and the warmth of your love, love and reported that you always think kindly of us and treasured our memories of us, longing to see us just as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers and sisters, during our, our, our distress and suffering, we have been comforted and greatly encouraged about you because of your faith, your un unwavering trust in God, placing yourself completely in his loving hands. Because now we, we live in spite of everything if you start firm in the Lord. For what ad adequate thoughts or thanks could we offer to God for you in return for the joy and delight we have before our God on your account. We continue to pray night and day, most honestly, that we may see you face to face and, may complete, and we may complete whatever may be imperfect and lacking in your faith. Now our God and the Father himself and Jesus our Lord guide your step to you by removing the obstacles that stand in your way in our way, so to speak. And may the Lord cause you to increase and excel and overflow in love for one another and for all people, just as we also do for you, so that he may strengthen and establish your hearts without blame in holiness in the sight of our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with his saints or his people. One of the most important things in life and wonderful joy is when a birth of a child comes to new parents. Children, parents, look forward to his arrival, going for regular checkups with the doctor, where they, enjoy, they rejoice listening to their child's heartbeat. With much excitement, they get ready at home, starting thinking of a good name for their baby, then a long-waited day arrives. The, contract, the contraction starts. The delivery goes well. The baby is born, and, find, and family and friends come to hospital to congratulate the new dad and mom and admiring the newborn child, saying how cute and cuddly it is. I usually tell my students they are just little cute sinners. <laughs> the first thing they say is, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, that's all. They cry. They say, I'm here. You have to deal with me. So, finally, all things are settled, and a proud parent bring their little bottle of joy home. Now, you know, ladies and gentlemen, that's just the beginning of the story. So, but it doesn't end there. It's the beginning of a tedious process of infant feeding, care to grow and develop physically. These involve regular feeding. Diaper changing, I've done that three times, and I've done the fourth time with my granddaughter, so I know how that goes. Now, then keeping them from harm and danger and all those things, the, when the newborn cries, it needs comfort when it's 
tired, it needs to be rocked to sleep. Um, when it is, has a fever, it needs medicine. When it develops some rash, it needs special cream. Uh, such great care and attention usually put great demands on parents who may not have gone through, who may have gone with many days without sleep. I'm sure all of you who have gone through this know what I'm talking about. You may have helped with your grandparent. Some of us, foreigners, we didn't have a grandparent too, so we had to deal. That's how it is. Now, it's the same way, ladies and gentlemen, well, the same way it is not easy to provide all spiritual aftercare that a new Christian needs. And now Paul has just ministered to these people who eagerly deceived Jesus. And the mob said, no, you're not staying here. We're kicking you out of here. In essence, he was called persona non grata. Yes, they said, you can never come back here. You are making our city bad by that Jesus that was crucified by Pontius Pilate. It's heresy. So you need to go. So Paul could not sit there and minister to them and tell them about Christ and bring them to a demonization of Christ because he spent only three weeks. Imagine you just came from hospital with your child, your baby, and three weeks from there you leave it alone. Is it going to exist? No. It's going to die. Because it doesn't know, like, left or right, doesn't know how to feed itself. That's what is happening to the people of Thessalonica. The Bible tells us that life is not easy for people and for you and for, not, for I. Therefore, we need to be able to drink soft food when you become a believer. You don't know the whole Bible. You need somebody who can break it down for you. Paul was not there to do that. And that's the challenge that the book of, the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 is talking about. And that's why I tell the message, hope in time of trial, so to speak. Paul spent three weeks only there. Three weeks was not enough. However, God with his supernatural power sustained these people. And Paul, when he went to Berea and then went to Athens, he is there frustrated saying, I wonder how my kids are doing. Are they dead? Are they gone back to worship idols? I don't know. So he couldn't get settled. So he decided to forfeit his comfort and say, Timothy, I want you to go back there and find out what happened to our spiritual babies. So Paul sent Timothy to find out about their faithfulness. Are they maturing? Did they go back? Or are they killed by the people who sent me here? If they could do that to me, what are they doing to them? That's the mind that Paul had went, went on. And he says there, Therefore, when we could no longer endure, you can do it, endure it. We thought it's good to be left alone, Paul is saying he left alone, and sent Timothy, our brother, our minister of God, and a fellow laborer of the gospel of Christ, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by the afflictions or trials, for, who, for you yourself know that we are appointed to this. Now, he's saying appointed is God's will for you. 
Now, I'm going to talk about that a lot today uh, because I want us to have a clear understanding that there is nothing happened to your life without God intending it to happen. The question is, are you on board with God or are you going to fight God? It may be difficult, but I'm going to tell you, you are making it more difficult by fighting God. That's the whole point here. So Paul says something here. He says, I am sending Paul, Timothy, to you to come and check on you, and I'm giving up my comfort for your benefit. The next thing he said, that he is a minister. Now, minister is not an official title here. It doesn't connote any ordination. But the word is used here in, in, in a reference to the service being done by the person, not the person themselves. So the word is designated one who lenders a service of some kind to another. It is speak of a servant relationship to his work, stressing his activity of service or serving. Originally, the word denotes serving tables or waiters. Now, and from these, it signifies a lowly kind of service that nobody wants to do. That was used often by Christians to express their habitual way to lend to God and men the services they needed. Thus, spiritual aftercare. That's what we are talking about here. In essence, another word used is duras, slave. But the word here is used in the service, not a slave, but what a slave does. That's what they say. So in this case, is it drawing attention to the services which the person is performing? In essence, it is talking about spiritual care for those who are in Christ by the elders or their leaders. That's what he's talking about here. So Paul says, I'm going to say, Timothy, to come do that because I need to know your well-being. So he says, I'm sending Timothy, number one, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. That's the responsibility. He had there to do two things. Number one, establish. Establish is talking about foundation. Now, I have not seen any house built in the air. Now, if you see one there, I want to see what kind of uh, technology you got. Anything that is going to be built has to have a foundation of some kind. Now, when we are encouraging people, sometimes we are, we are doing it without intelligence. If you're going to encourage somebody, you need to know what you're encouraging them about. That's what Timothy had to do first. What are these people about? So the bottom line is saying, I need to lay the foundation first. The word used to establish is hestemi in Greek, meaning it has to do with a firm, solid foundation that somebody had to build something to, to lay other things in them. You guys live in a house. It's not suspended in the air. It has a foundation. Yep. Now, for those who have space shuttles, they have to have an anti-gravity mechanism to make it stay there. If you remove that anti-gravity thing, it's going to fall. It's not going to go anywhere. So even that one going there has some mechanism to help it stay there. So for Christians, we need to have a foundation, which is Jesus Christ and his word. So Paul is coming, Timothy is going there to do, to make sure that what they people had, they have continued to do. And if they have not, he needs to start all over again, somehow, in one way or the other. So 
This word is used in, in infinitive form. Now, I'm not an English teacher, but I study a little bit to understand it. So, the tense is eris tense in Greek, which indicates a mere fact of action, with deliberate silence about when the action takes place or how long it's going to take. It can be forever, which is actually forever for you and I, until we see Jesus. The voice is active, which indicates that the subject performs the action instead of receiving it. Its mood is infinitive, meaning a noun that sums up all the action the verb is belong to is doing. So in this case, Timothy was not there to do work for them. That's the whole point of the text. He was there to make sure the momentum that Paul started was going to a greater height. He was cheering them on and coaching, and the prayers were doing their job. See, we as elders, we handicapped our members if we are going to do work for them. We are there to see, where are you? Let's help you get your foundation. You need to get that instrument. You need to get that. You need to put it together. And then we encourage you to go on. If we do it for you, we are not helping you. We are making you weaker. You don't feed your baby forever, do you? No. Once you teach how to use a spoon, and they can form words, and they can understand light and long, you start showing them how to do things so they can be self-sufficient and independent. So Timothy was not going there to, make, to do work by himself. He was a facilitator in the good thing, not the bad thing. So his encouragement with it was in, with intelligent or where they are going and what they're supposed to be doing in this case. So encouragement means to embolden and to cheer up someone into the right direction in this case. Now, unfortunately, some of us encourage people in the wrong direction because we don't know what the foundation is. You need to find out what the foundation is so you can tell them where to go. Or probably you have to remove the foundation to be the right one. So... You have to set things up before you encourage. Now, encouragement comes after we have established the right direction. Otherwise, the, we only encourage the wrong cause. We should not encourage blindly, but intelligently in the right direction to produce the desired results. That's what elders are supposed to do. Now, if elders don't know where they're going, then they cannot direct you because they don't know where they're going, so we're going to be stagnant, and oh, we have gone to the wrong direction. The frog always going to go where the shepherd goes. So the shepherd doesn't know what they're doing. The frog is not going to know what to do. So elders and deacons, this is a challenge for us. We need to be like Paul. When you're not there, you should already train somebody who can substitute you. As good as you, because... You are the disciple, your disciple should be good as you or better than you. That's how it is. So that's a challenge for disciples. And you disciples, you need to have your ears on the spirit and listen so that when you're challenged, don't say, Moni, what about Johnny? We are not talking about Johnny, we are talking about you. Why don't you tell them? See, we, we like to shift it from the, from the next guy instead of us. No. When it is your time, it's your time. So, 
When Paul sent Timothy to Thessalonica, he was there to encourage and help them establish the foundation that is already there, already built it with the expertise that they needed for it to go on for their survival during the time of storm. And then he gives the rationale of why. Notice he's saying here that those two things are important. Establish, strengthen, firm. King James talks about comfort or call alongside. I'm walking. You need to walk alongside me so I can demonstrate. There is one thing I always do for my kids. My daughter is there. I never told my kids to do something that I didn't teach them to do. I'm going to demonstrate it. Then said, do it. You didn't do it right. I do it again. You do it. Until I know they can do what I want them to do. From there on, I will take the belt out. Because I taught you, you showed me that you can do it, you didn't do it. My son was slick. So I had to find another way to do it. So my son always said, you didn't tell me the time I need to do it. So I, okay, you run as you go. So I said, okay, son, you have one hour to do it. If it depending on the project. So one hour is up from now on. If it's not done, the belt is going to come up. <laughs> or whatever the situation is. Ladies and gentlemen, God is in the process of working in your life, in my life, and when you do not do what you're supposed to do, the bells are going to come up. And that's when the trial starts. Because God already told you what you need to do, you procrastinate, and God starts coming with his instruments to see whether you are doing what you're supposed to do. And if you're not doing what you're supposed to do, he has a measuring and balancing thing. And if you are out of order, something is going to be done. You people who do constructing here know what I'm doing. This is a stabilizer, you know, you can measure things, and it has a, some liquid here. So if this liquid is not in the center, it has two lines there. If it's not in the center, we know something had to be done. So if you're crooked, something had to be done to, to, bring, that, to bring that crookedness out of the system, no? And so, so he, he put that down there, said that's, that, that's not working. So... He got to his tools. No, he might have to scrap things. Well, when things are not balanced, means one side is up than the other. So he had to have a scraper. It's not gonna be. It's gonna be painful probably. But God is trying to know to let you know this is not working for you, and I'm training you to be my soldier. And since you're not my soldier, the training had to cost you. We gotta chop some weight. Somehow. Now, you know, James knows these, and those who have been in the military, you have to have certain weight uh, to be in there. And if you don't have to go to some exercise for a point of day that you have to go away, and if you're not weighing, you're going to have to go keep exercising, or you'll be disqualified. So therefore, ladies and gentlemen, God is going to scrap stuff. That's what we call trials. And to make sure that you are doing what you're supposed to do. But if you are not doing what you're supposed to do, uh, it calls for something other things. No. This can be, this majority of you, some of you think this is only to hammer nail and to take nails. This, I can do a lot of things with this. I can do a lot of damage. Oh, good. Now, some things in your life need to be removed. And it's not going to be easy. So, Something need to be hammered in. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be painful. So, 
I'm just showing you some few things so you can understand what's going to happen to you. And when you have all this pain, why me? Well, remember I said we are pointed to this. When I say we are pointed to this, it's going to happen. This, before you are born, God already decided Johnny is going to go through this. Mary is going to go through this. So, so asking about why is Mary not getting it and I'm getting it. You're not Mary and Mary is not you. You're not Johnny and Johnny is not you. See, in the army, there are various soldiers. They all have various specialties. Same army, same basic training, but after basic training, you're going to have to go to your specialties. Some of you during basic training, some people are scouting you to see, hey, that man can be an intelligent officer. So they come and tell you, well, we want you to go to intelligence school. Why? Because we know you can do it because we have been evaluating. Get going. The next one says, we want you to be a commander because we know you're going to special forces because we know you have ability. Oh, but no, we know. Go. Now, we are all believers, but we don't have the same giftedness, do we? No. Same God, different training, same kingdom, same king. Set different requirements. So stop asking why Johnny is not getting what you're getting. Because these are tailor-made trials. Did you hear what I just said? <laughs> I'm gonna they are tailor-made for you, specifically for you. You don't wear the same size of clothes when I get the Johnny, do you? No, that should be telling you something. You don't even look like them. So why do we want to be like Johnny? Do you want to be shaken? No. You need to have your proper training. If you're a swimmer, you know how to swim. If you walk, you know how to walk, learn how to walk. If you are learning, learn how to walk, learn. So it's what it is. So the Greek word used, now you guys like that guy there? No? Majority of you have been tricked by this guy. This guy always wiggles his, his, uh, his uh, tail when he wants to get something. She or he, they are good at it. And all of you, oh, look how cute they are. And you give whatever they want, even if they are behaving bad. Why do you think people call them man best friend? Because you only get everything that he needs or she needs because you always give it to them. Because they wiggle their thing like this. Do you know what, that's what Satan does? Wiggling their tail to you? And you fall for it. Uh, the Greek word used there for fratally, which is a wiggly, uh, for, what is fratally? The dog is, uh, uh, dirty dog is defying you by fawning its tail to you. Satan does that a lot of times. And majority of us don't get it. Unfortunately for that, uh, you need to be wiser than that. The word there says, trials are experienced for every believer. So you need to let, to let that set for your life that you need to understand that you have to go through trial because it's appointed for it to happen. Whether you like it or not, it is what it is. And it's going to happen day in, day out. But I'm going to express some things here because some people have been confused about what is the difference between a trial and temptation. So I want you to listen to what I had to say because you need to pay attention to what I had to say about these two. They're not the same. I was reading some literature, and even best theologians, they say they're the same. It's the way you use it. No, it's not. So, a trial is testing to find out what you're made of and what 
your deficient is in that specific area of your Christian life. I'm going to repeat that. A trial is testing to find out what you're made of and what is your deficiency in that area of your Christian life. Thus, a trial of a person or a thing is to establish its worth in actual performance or lack of their love. So that being said, in this case, God begins his supernatural work of transforming you in areas that are weak and lacking as his child into the image of Christ that he wants you to be because he wants you to be perfect and he wants you to mature and therefore he starts chopping off using various instruments and various methods so that you can move forward as a, because this is not about you. This is about him. Now, in this church, we have several people going through trials. I talk to some of these people. We have Miss Metz here and Mike. Mike had an, uh, an accident the other day and uh, he didn't die. He is here. Mike, God has a prob- uh, uh, something for you. Whatever that may be, I don't know. But that's why he spared you. You lost your car. You went to hospital. You didn't die. You're here. That's a trial. Miss Metz had a surgery and she's still with us. So God has a prog- program for her. That's a trial that comes into your life. God wants to remove something, bringing whatever means. Did you hear what I just said? God is going to chop things out of your life using any means in your life to make sure that you are who that he wants you to be. He may use a little hammer. He may use a big one. <laughs> Depending on the problem, he may use a big one because you have a bigger problem. You can't say, God, why are you using a little hammer for Miss Courtney and you're using a bigger one for me? God, with his foreknowledge and his intelligence and his infinite wisdom, which you cannot see across the street, you don't even the next minute what's going to happen to your life. So God knows, so he used the bigger one. You may have some bigger nails, I don't know. He had to remove it your life, so he may use that one. Now, let's see. He may use something else because probably you're not square enough. And he wants proper measurement for you. Well, you can't tell him, hey, why didn't you use it for Mr. Rogers on that one instead of me? Oh, uh, he may use it for Charlie. He may use it for, for me. Now, I have a daughter sitting right there. How do you like to receive a phone call? Dad, Mom, I'm coming home. Then within a few, few minutes later, I uh, call Mom. I want you to know I've been shot and I'm dying. You didn't expect it. You don't know. You have a grandchild to take care of. You don't know what happened to your daughter. And you had to go through this for a whole month, for, for several months. She is there, fortunately, by God's grace. That's a trial. Uh, then you get a phone call from a college. You, you know your son is in college and studying. Then they tell you, oh, well, your son was walking and weaving among the vehicle, and we had to take him to the general hospital. Yeah, that's happened to us. Our son, Joshua, uh, went to deep end because of one fashion, because the enemy is attacking. He was straight to graduate as May. He didn't graduate because of sickness. Now he's doing well. Keep praying for him. But the bottom line is, when I talk about trial, I know something about them. I'm not just telling you. This was the hardest message to prepare. 
Because I knew how to speak things people don't want to hear, but you need to hear. We have Mrs. Donna Piccaro who had uh, surgery, and I was talking her last Sunday, and the cancer has returned. She is fighting for her life. She is a child of God. Does God know? Where is he? He knows. It's a trial. I talked with Kathy Compton last Sunday. Her cancer has returned. It's a trial for her and her family. Where is God? He is doing his work. It's appointed. For what purpose? I don't know. But God does. We have Charlie who has been in and out of the hospital. A deacon. A servant of God. It's a trial. We have Jack and Diana Sapp, our elder, serving. Their son is taken away just like that. It's a trial. It's appointed to all of us from the beginning of the foundation. We just don't know it. But he's telling us in the scripture, it's there. Be expecting it. Don't act like it doesn't happen. It's there. We have Aika and team here. For nine years, they have been looking for a child. Now they're pregnant. God has come through. Praise God for that. But why nine years? I don't know. Probably they need to trust God more in it. I don't know. But it's trial. Whatever God is doing in your life, don't whine about it. It's painful, yes. It's going to happen. But remember this, ladies and gentlemen, God has a purpose for it. So, what is temptation, ladies and gentlemen? Temptation is an eternal thing. It means this. Temptation is an intentional enticement with evil intention toward a person's weaknesses with an intention for that person to fail by promising a prospect of pressure or benefit that never materialized as advertised. I'm going to repeat that in case you didn't hear it. Satan is a, one of the greatest informational guys there is. Now, he's going to advertise something that will never is, never will be, and other men he found the bad the hard way. Temptation is an intentional enticement with an evil intention toward a person's weaknesses with an intention for that individual to fail by promising the prospect of pressure or benefit that never materialized as advertised. And I can give you two things about temptation. David is walking on top of his roof. He sees Bathsheba. And he laughs against her and gets her and sleeps with her. It's a have to do with the internal problem. You understand? It's a drawing to that. Trials have to do with the external. They come from outside. Two differences. But nevertheless, trials for life. So, when it says appointed, notice that word, word Greek there talk about pro vesemai, meaning to be put beforehand. In essence, it's for audition, ordination of God. Before you and I were born, God knew you're going to go through every one of these steps. Now, Paul telling the Thronians, that is, we told you, this is coming. Be prepared. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you this today. 
If you're a believer, there is a program that is set by God that's going to happen in your life. Leave the scripture, understand it, and act on it. Don't act surprised. It's not a surprise that it's coming to you. So, suffering is tailor-made for you and I, and there is nothing you can do. One thing is fascinating. You notice what people say. Some believers, Christians, believe that suffering, uh, not suffering affliction, and that God wants to teach us only through his word, not through trial and tribulation. No, the Bible is very clear that James is saying, count it all joy when you're going to tribulation. No, dear Jesus, be happy. Now, I heard from my daughter that there is a conversation that happiness and joy are the same. They're not the same. Have you noticed joy is one of the fruit of the Spirit? It's a divinely ordained. It has to do with the internal mechanism, what God is doing. Hap comes from Latin, what means based on circumstances that are outside. I may be happy because I eat ice cream. But I'm going to be joyful because I eat ice cream? No. It just finished when I finished it. Joy had to do with something going on that is outside you. Controlling by Holy Spirit himself. That's what he's saying. So that's not it. Then we have believers who believe that you only experience persecution. No, there are two Greek words. One is philippus. That means physical pain, emotional hardship, suffering, temptation. And there is another one called Pascal that means that a physical suffering unrelated to persecution, suffering under temptation or hardship or general sense. So same thing, but it comes from different ways. Some of us believe that God is angry with me. God doesn't get angry because you fail. He already knows you're going to fail anyway, and he is prepared for it. God is not a human. It's not like you and I. When we get mad because our kids throw tetrum and all that kind of stuff. God didn't know you were going to do it. He just has his hammer. He's going to he's gonna have to do something with it. Do I have something else? Yeah. He might have to adjust it. This is my uh, Philip. Might have to adjust to, t- to fine-tune you. So you can... No, if you're driving a vehicle and it doesn't sound like you take it to a mechanic and they do adjustment or diagnostic, whatever it is, God is going to diagnose you and then going to fine-tune you to be singing as he wants you to sing. So um, I have a bigger one here so I can reach down there and engine on my vehicle. I like tinkling with the vehicle, so that's what it is. And some of us, he might have to get a shear. Yeah, it's going to cut some things off. It had to be doing the pruning. And some of us may need this one. Because it's delicate and need to be going there to get it a little bit. To make sure the corners and edges are perfect. Through the divine intervention. So... God is not mad with you. He just had to come in there and do some work. That you're, not, you're, gonna, you're gonna be very painful. Notice what they say there. Uh, he said, if humanity can get it together, they act together, he will press out delete. He did that once. You remember that? 
Yeah, he did all the live with under Noah. And they are only the people in the ark were saved. And probably some fish outside. The rest died. So he made her auto-delete some things in your system. Because they are not good for you. And you're going to wake up on, how does that work? It's a ghost. It's ghost away. You try some things in the world. They are just fleeting from you. Because God pressed auto-delete. Because he loves you and loves me. And uh, finally, probably he might have to use both of these. I'm going to have to chisel it. Yeah. See, this is used because I, I used it this summer doing my floor downstairs. So, like this is good for wood where you want to put some things underneath it. And your frame, you can't cut the whole frame, so you cut it down there and chisel it so you can put your things underneath. Yeah, yeah it works. So, that's going to happen to you. And uh, when you see God do this, and some of us need... Uh, I have something here. Need some polishing and cleaning up, wiping after the debris and everything down there. And uh, he has gloves on too. Doesn't want to get messy. And then he's gonna measure to see whether is it goes where it's supposed to. Then it doesn't. It's gonna come back. Have you ever wondered why you're struggling with the same thing over and over again? It grew back. Me and you didn't learn your lesson the first time. So God come back and say, okay, you don't listening. I'm going to keep you here. And more, now it's going to be more painful because I have to remove this old system and I have to put new ones. Ooh, renovation. Spiritual renovation. So, how are we supposed to respond? The book of Romans is very clear for us. Some of us want to wrestle with God, but it's not going to work. We're going to, it's comical sometimes when we do these things because God is not going anywhere. God is going to wait for you. You're going to be in pain, but God is going to be chopping away until you submit to his will. And the Bible says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast at the trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised those who love him. Are you going to receive the crown of life? So notice this is what it says. Trials are there for you and I, and we need to understand that trials are not of the luck, like how you go to Walmart and get whatever you want. Uh, trials is custom made. Uh, what you are going through has purpose to it. It is a tailor made for you. The servant God has integrated, made, and created you know what you need and can and cannot handle and place it just enough on you so that it doesn't crush you. But you look, can look to him for relief in the midst of it. Ladies and gentlemen, the temple is going to come, but through the valley of shadow of death, uh, we are going to be going through. The temple is around the corner. Do you see that picture there? Some of us are chasing this thing, but we don't know around the corner. He's waiting to get you. He's pounced on you. So pay attention, because Satan is going to be there. Paul finally was comforted when Timothy came back and said, Paul, I don't believe what I got. They are thriving. They are, they are trying. They are making them grow. The good report was Paul was relieved because now uh, Timothy comes back, tell him they are growing the spirit and they are enduring. And not only that, 
they are, they are witnessing to everybody else. And whatever they are lacking, we need to pray that God will bring them to grow in maturity and in love for one another so that they can be found perfect when Christ comes back to get them. So, and Paul prays this prayer for, for, for them that... Paul prayed that for himself that the Lord would allow him to see them again and minister to them, which he didn't because he wasn't around here. Remember, he's a person around Garata. But nevertheless, he prayed for them that they would increase in self-service. These people are loving each other, but nevertheless, he wanted them to understand that they are, that's the only thing that will keep them together. Grace, we need to learn to love each other. And when somebody has a problem, it's your problem. When I'm rejoicing, it's your rejoicing. When I'm suffering, it's your suffering because you are the body of Christ. Are you listening to me? So, so I'm saying that's for Johnny and for Peter, but it's for you and I, and we need to understand that we need to come alongside and help. So, having said that, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not going to keep you wrong, but I, I want you to understand that Paul was praying for these people, and the application for you as you go today is that God views the ministry of encouraging faith of others to be of importance, fast importance. Some of us may be Timothy that God wants to build up for other believers. We should not be surprised if persecution or affliction come to our lives. We must be aware of the schemes of the temper, tempter who want to abandon us, who want us to abandon the truth of God's words. We should follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit to continually increase and abound in the kind of self-sacrificing love that God has ordained for us, ladies and gentlemen. So remember, He is coming with a hope for them that believe. I have a hope in him, regardless of my trial, regardless of your trial. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I know there are so many people hurting today. Move each, to each and every person's heart and minister to their needs accordingly. To those who are diseased, we ask for your healing. To those who need encouragement, we need encouragement. To those who need to be pushed forward, help us to do that. Today, as we go to our respective home, be with us and give us the grace that we need. And those who don't know you, Father, we pray that they may listen to what you have to say so they may receive you as Lord and Savior. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.